feel like um, a couple of things. One is, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's all show up on Tuesday night and just, you know, show respects to, the, to that family in our church. And, and then second of all, I want to say, like, thanks to our worship team this morning. They really did a great job of leading worship. And, and uh, what a powerful time of ministry and, and prayer. And, and I really think, I really believe that God is bringing some healing into some hearts of some people this morning. And so we are in the middle of a, uh, a series. Uh, we're in, this, in week number two of the series called Help. My family's crazy. And, and, and how many of you guys would say your family's crazy? You got some hands in the thing. You got some cra- there's like a half of you, like my family, got some two hands. Oh, you got some real crazy in your house. You got some crazy in your house. Now, now, how many of you guys would say, I'm not the crazy one, but somebody else's? I'm not the crazy one. Somebody else's. That's good. Now, how many of you would say, like, I own it, I'm the crazy one? All right, we got some crazy ones. Yeah, you know you're the crazy one, and you bring the crazy. <coughs> but today, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the ones that are, are like, help, my family's crazy, and I'm not the crazy one. Actually, if you're the crazy one, too, you need to listen, because you've got to know what they're going through, all right? You've got to know what you're going through. So have you ever been in a situation where somebody walked into the room, and it immediately changed your perspective, changed your personality, your mood. Like, like it just sucked the air out of the room. Like, you're in there, you're hanging out, somebody walks in the room, and you're like, oh, oh. Like, in a negative way, all of a sudden, your whole demeanor just shifts and changes. I, I'm talking about that this week because we're all headed into Thanksgiving, right? And, and Christmas and, and these holiday seasons where we have all the extended family and more family gatherings. And, and if you have a crazy family... Now, my family is here. You guys know my family, so, so this is always real awkward for me. But there's a crazy one in our family, too, and I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to point fingers. But, but if, if you've got a crazy one in your family, how do you, how do you deal with it, right? How do you, how do you process this? And, and how, I mean, what do you do? Right? Do you just turn the other cheek, or, or, or do, you, do you fight for righteousness? You know, like I'm fighting for justice. You know, how, do, how are you supposed to handle this? And, and it's so hard, and sometimes we're going to walk into, all of us are going to walk into some tricky situations over the next few weeks and months. And if you're, you're blessed enough that you're not walking into one of those situations today, take notes, because I guarantee you, you will walk into one of those situations at some point in your future. Or maybe you should come talk to me afterwards and explain to me how you don't have those situations in your life. And so, it kind of reminds me of something, you know, um... Well, I guess I'll say this. These people that have, like, influenced you, like, right, like they've, they've done something probably, right? They've done something in the last week or maybe the month. If, if you're really, like, maybe something that's really bad, maybe it's a year ago that it still bothers you. And there's a point where maybe it's been, like, a decade or two or three. Or maybe it was, like, 50 years ago and it still bothers you, right? You're still hanging on to this thing. But there's this thing that happens, and all of a sudden, you're hanging on to it. When you, they show up, it reminds you of what they did in the past. It reminds you of the, the, the violation that maybe they did against you, or, 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 maybe, or maybe you're the one that did the thing that caused the offense. They walk in the room, and you're like, I'm not really sure where I stand with them. Maybe it's that awkward. You're like, well, I know we said sorry, but I don't feel like it's sorry. And so it's still kind of awkward when, when I'm in the room with them. Or maybe you do know where you stand with them, and it's just not a good feeling. So it reminds me of this story, and the other day I heard this story. you got to know, when preachers say the other day, that could have been really any time in their life. 
You, got, you just got to know that. If I say, like, if a preacher says, the other day I was up the store, and, I you know, that could be like last week, but that could be like 10 years ago. You just got to know. So the other day I heard this story, and, and I heard the story about this farmer, and he's out plowing his field with his mule and his plow, and everything's hooked up, and, and uh, he's, he's plowing the field, and there's a visitor who is standing next to the fence watching him. And he's, and he's leaning against the fence. He's watching the farmer go back and forth. The visitor says, well, farmer, I... Uh, I don't mean to like butt into your business here. I don't mean to tell you how to plow your field, but but you're just you're just tugging on the reins gently, and and if you were to say like he and ha, and, hey, and kind of like shout out, like, you could get more productivity out of out of the mule that's pulling your your thing. You're pulling your 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 plow. I'm, clearly, I'm an indoor guy. I, <laughs> I know I like might look like a lumberjack today, but I. I've never felled a tree, so um, I'm clearly an indoor guy. So you got the you got the animal thing, you know, pulling the metal thing, uh, yeah. And so you get the the mule pulling the plow, and and uh, and so the the guy, you know, the visitor says, hey, if you were to like, you know, kind of shout the commands and maybe like whip it a little harder or something, you get more productivity out of that mule. And the farmer says he stops and he pulls out his hanky and he wipes his face and he says, well, son, five years ago, this mule kicked me, and I haven't spoken to him since. <laughs> He's got a grudge. <laughs> He's holding a grudge, isn't he? But you know, the moral of the story is this, is um, a grudge is harder on the one who holds it than the one who it's held against. If you're holding a grudge against somebody, it's harder on you than it is on them. And, and if, if you're walking into a family situation and, and somebody else is walking into the room, causes you to feel a certain way, I would, and in a negative way, I would challenge you to say that, that you're holding a grudge against that person. There's some sort of a, it's something that's happened in the past that you're not completely let go of that's causing your relationship to struggle at the least, or maybe be in failure, or maybe resort to, to words, or, or, or to violence, or, or maybe you go out back and deal with it like a man. But, but you might have these things in your life, you know, where, where you, you have the, the relationship that causes the tension and the problem. But, but this morning, I want to I talk to you about that. Um, and, and I'm going to start with, with the idea that we all have these relationships that happened. We all have these moments. We have all been wronged on some way or another. Everybody here, you have had a wrong done against you. You've been fired unjustly. You've been demoted unjustly. You've been passed up for opportunity unjustly. You, you have been um, hurt. You have been violated. You've been lied against, lied to, lied for. You've had all these things happen to you in your life. Everybody's had it. If you're a human being on earth and you've interacted with another human being on earth, you've had this happen to you. So knowing that that's what happens in life, how do we deal with it? How do we, how do we take from a place of saying, how do I show mercy to someone who deserves my wrath? How do I show mercy to someone who deserves me to cold wall and stone and ice them out? How, how, do, I, how do I do that? How do I, how do I show mercy when, when mercy is not justified? I want justice. I don't want mercy for you because you wronged me. But, but here's what Jesus says. In, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, Jesus says this. He says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall... Receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. You know, a blessing is something that you don't have to work for. It's something that you don't have to earn. It's, 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 it's blessing is something that 
God pours out on you with, without any strings attached on, on it. And in order to receive the blessing, you have to be able to show mercy. It's, it's really what, what that is saying. And so mercy is defined as this way. Mercy is defined as compassion or, or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Blessed are the merciful. See, the, the premise of even being in a position to show mercy means that that other person has done you wrong. And, and to be in the position to actually show mercy, it means that not only have they, they've done you wrong, but you have the power to punish them. You have the power to harm them. You guys picking up what I'm putting down? Yeah? Okay. You're kind of quiet this morning. You guys need to wake up. And tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor, wake up. Wow, that's really quiet. <laughs> I got to try a little harder, don't I? And so we get, we, I just want you guys to liven up a little bit here. You know, the, 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 the better you respond, the, the faster this will go. <laughs> there we go. All right, you guys are ready to go home, aren't you? There's some, you know, the Broncos are on a bye week. I'm a Broncos fan. The Broncos are on a bye week, so I could preach all day. I got, I got nowhere to be, all right? I got nowhere to be. So, so mercy is this thing where you have the power to show mercy for someone who wronged you. And, and they, they are in this position where you are in power and they're in the position of weakness. And so Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Here's the thing. If you are ever in a position where you need mercy, your mercy account will never run dry if you continue to give mercy. Mercy is this thing where it's like a two-way street. If you're giving mercy, God will continue to give mercy. And so, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy, which means if you don't give mercy, you shall probably not receive mercy. And I don't know about you, but I need mercy. Kind of on a regular basis. You know, if you guys knew my life, you'd know, man, this guy needs mercy all the time. You know, it's, it's, I need mercy. You know, I, I'm not perfect. I know most of you are, but today I'm preaching to me. And so you cannot expect God to be merciful if you are a merciless person. So a blessing is this. You don't have to work for it. You see, you can have this blessing from God if you practice mercy. You can have the blessing from God if you practice mercy. They may not deserve mercy. They don't deserve mercy. In fact, if you are guilty, you need mercy. And if you are innocent, you want justice. Come on, my kid does something wrong at school. I am begging for mercy. But if your kid does something wrong, I demand justice, right? Like, come on, like if I, oh man, I'm, I'm just a little bit late to work. I'm so sorry. I just want a little mercy from my boss. But, but somebody else at work shows up late and you're like, aren't you going to fire them? They're the worst, right? Like, like we all have this thing where I want the mercy for me because I'm the one that's wrong. But, but, the, but I'm demanding the justice because the other person, they earned it. They deserve it. So when you're in a position of, of, of weakness, you ask for mercy and you want it, but if you're in a position of power, will you give it? And so then, here's where Jesus talks to Peter about forgiveness, and, and, and it's in Matthew chapter 18, and, and we're going we're gonna to look at this together, and, and I'm just going to read through, and, and you guys can follow along. It says, then Peter came up and said to him, which is him as Jesus, Lord, how often... Will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Now, in, in that culture, that was like the standard. If someone wrongs you, you forgive them seven times in, in a day, I believe is what it was. And, and Jesus says to him, I do not say to you seven times, 
but 77 times. Now, some translations say 70 times 7. Some say 77. Either way, like, can you forgive somebody 77 times? Let's take it on the low side. Like, that's a lot of forgiveness to be issuing to somebody, isn't it? And so 77 times, that's a whole lot. I mean, Peter's basically asking, like, do I really have to do all seven? Like, is one enough? I make my kids do this all the time. I know, they're not here. They're in class right now because they're in elementary school. But in elementary school, you've got to train them right, you know what I'm saying? And so, hand them a broom, you know, take the trash out, empty the kid or litter box. She's in kindergarten. I don't know. She can do it. So, um, so you've got to train them on how to do this from, from a young age. And so I do this. My two kids will fight. And, and, and I know my kids, I'm sorry, I know your kids are perfect. My, mine fight occasionally. They get in little disagreements. And so they get in a fight, and then I, I make them say, I'm sorry for what I did to you. And, and the other person then has to say, I'm sorry what I did to you. And then one person, then the other says, will you forgive me? The other one says, yes, I'll forgive you. Will you forgive me? Yes, I'll forgive you. Okay, let's hug. And, and then they hug, right? It's, it's what I do, right? It's what we do, and it's super awkward. And they're like, oh, and the whole time they're like, I mean, I'm sorry for, I don't know. I'm, well, will you forgive me? I couldn't hear you. No, will you forgive me? I couldn't hear you. You know, I don't make them do it 77 times. I just make them do it once, very clear, audible, simple, will you forgive me? But there's power when you start granting each other mercy. And so I train my kids at the young age to, grant, to do mercy. I don't make them do it 70 times or 70 times 7. Or I just got to get one good one, and I feel like I'm, I'm doing okay. But, but, but that's not, I mean, really, you look at it. Peter's saying, well, how often do I have to do this? And, and Jesus is essentially saying, you have to do it nonstop all the time. You got to keep going and going and going, and then, which means for 77 times in the day, if the memory pops up in your mind and you think to yourself, oh, the anger or, or whatever it is that, that you start thinking in your head towards that person, forgive them. 77 times a day. Forgive, like, just keep going. Don't even stop. Can you even count? How many times did you forgive them so far today? Um, I'm not really sure. Well, you're probably not 77. Just keep going. Keep on forgiving them. Okay, let's go on to verse number 23. It says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servant. The kingdom of, kingdom of God works like this. This is how God's kingdom works. That's what he's saying. And he compared it to a king who wished to settle accounts with the servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Let's just flip that into dollars and we'll call it $100,000. Does that sound fair? That's not probably, I don't know what the real number is, but let's just say $100,000 is as reference point. 10,000 talents, okay? It's verse 25. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. Ooh. That's rough. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. He's asking for more time. Please, give me a little more time. I'll do this. I'll get it done. Don't, don't punish my kids. Uh, verse number 26. And out of pity for him, out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. He didn't just extend the terms. He just, didn't just give him more time. What, what, what the servant was asking for the, the, the master didn't just meet him, he exceeded him. He had pity on and he exceeded what he was asking for. The kingdom of God is like this. Keep in mind, right? So when that same servant went out, he left there, forgiven of his $100,000 debt. And he found one of his fellow servants 
who owed him a hundred denarii. Let's say a hundred bucks. And seizing him, he began to choke him. <laughs> wow. If you're late on your credit card, did somebody show up at your door and choke you? <laughs> Woo. So choking him, he's like choking him. He's like getting up on him. And he sees him and he began to choke him. And he says, pay what you owe. And so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. Have patience with me. Give me more time. I'll pay you. Give, give, extend the terms. Give me a little bit more time. Same thing that the first guy was asking for. And he says he refused. And he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Whew, this guy's cold. Verse 31. When his fellow servants saw what he had, had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked, whew, wicked servant, I forgave you all your debt because you pleaded with me. Because you pleaded with me. And should not, and should not, should not, you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Man. In anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. If you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So the kingdom works like this. The servant owed him like a hundred grand. And, and, and he goes in to the, to the king, and the, and the king not only gives him what he's asking for, he forgives him all the way. He goes all the way. He goes exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or wish for. That's the God we serve. Come on. God, you just ask God for one more chance. And you blew that one too. I, I just, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just asked God for one more opportunity, and I blew that one. Come on, God, just give me another, give me another chance. I just want another day, and he gave me a week. I asked for another, just another chance, and he gave me another chance, and then another one, and then another one. I asked for, God, just get me through the night, and he got me through the week. He get me through the month. He's got me through the year. He's got me through years. And no matter what I'm asking for, I'm asking for this little bit, but God seems to go above and beyond that, doesn't he? He tends to give you more than you're asking for. He tends to give you more mercy than you deserve, more grace than you need. He tends to give you more than you're asking for. The king forgave him of his debt, and the servant went to someone who owed him 10 bucks or 100 bucks, and the servant showed no mercy to the man. The king catches word and brings him back in and says, You know how I forgave you that big sum? Mm -mm. I'm calling that back. No more. I'll tell you what, I don't want God to call back the mercy he's shown me. I don't want God to call back the, 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 the mercy he's given me in my life. I really don't want him to call that back. And if we hang on with an iron fist for the offenses that are against us, are we asking God to hold back his mercy on us? Because I tell you what, the mercy of God is greater than any mercy I could ever show another person. The mercy of God is greater than any, per any mercy I could show for someone else. So here's the thing. The real test of character, the real test of character isn't what you do when you're down. It's what you do when you're up. Because when we're in need, it's easy to beg. It's easy to say, God, I need your mercy every day. But when the tables have turned and we have the power over somebody else, that's when our character is tested. Are we able to, to give what God gave us? Or, or are we going to be stingy? And are we going to start choking people? And, and are we going to start resorting to, to things that, that God never taught us or intended for us to do? He intended to give us mercy so that we could continue to pass it on. 
How do you treat the people in your life? Here's the good one. How do you treat the people in your life that you don't think you need? How do you treat that waiter at the restaurant or that hostess who's trying to find you a table? How do you treat that cashier when when they ring something up wrong? Or how about something doesn't fit right and you bring it back for a return and they don't give you the answer exactly that you want? You don't think you need that person, but I'm telling you, how do you treat them when you're the person in power? How do you treat them when you're the person that's in control? The real test of character is not when you're weak. The real test of character is when you're strong. What do you do when you have the power? We talk about forgiveness in church. We profess it with our mouth on Sundays, but do we possess it in our character the rest of the week? We profess it with our mouth, but do we possess it in our character? It's easy for me to say it, and you guys amen, and we're like, yeah, we're fired up. We're going to go forgive some people, and we're going to walk out here, and someone's going to offend you. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. And you're going to be like, oh, Pastor Matt. (coughs) Do you possess it in your character? You know, unforgiveness is a thing that we end up learning. I don't know if you've noticed this. Animals don't fight, except over, like, food, maybe territory. Like, they don't fight over, you know, whether you showed up late every time for Thanksgiving. Like, they don't, they don't fight over the trivial things that we get caught up, right? In fact, when you look at kids, your, your kids, my kids, they forgive adults like, like that. They, they forgive so quickly, and they move on, and they just forget about it. Until they go to therapy later and the counselor brings it up again. <laughs> but their natural place is, is that they, 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 want to, they want to forgive, right? It's something that we learn. We watch the behavior of others. Sometimes it's something we, we were modeled for us in our home. Sometimes, sometimes we watch that stuff on TV. Oh, don't get me started, right? So there's some show, there's shows on TV dedicated to unforgiveness and bitterness and how deeply people fight with each other. And they call it reality TV. Like, My God, I don't want to live in that reality. You know what I mean? Like, we, and I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't, I don't know, maybe you shouldn't watch that junk. But, but what I'm saying is this, is that, is that we watch that and then do we start to use that model and start to adapt elements of it into our life? Like, I, I don't know, I don't want to put that garbage into my soul because what, what if it gets planted in there and starts to like sprout? That's a seed I don't want in my life. But, but you know, like this unforgiveness thing, the whole world is covered with it. Everybody fights for justice. I've been wronged and I, we sue everybody for everything, everywhere. It's constant. Our society is a justice society. In fact, our, our, our court systems, we try really hard to get it right. We have all kinds of forensic evidence pieces to help us find justice. We have all kinds of things in our culture. And I'm not against finding justice in life. I'm just saying that, that our, even our culture is just ingrained with it so much. We end up falling on the side of justice way too often. When God calls us to fall on the side of mercy. We're called to live at a higher level. As believers, you know, we're, we say we're not of this world, that, you know, that we're in it, but we're not of it. We're here, but we're not, like, part of it, right? We're here, but we're kind of not here. Or, or we got we to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We want to be a light in the darkness. And, and, and oftentimes you hear that we want to be the salt and the light of this world. And, and we say it all the time. In fact, we stuck it on our wall and we got bumper stickers and half of you got them on your car. It says we're going to live like Jesus and we're going to share his love. That includes mercy too. Mm, I don't like that word. But see, God asks us to do this. He asks us to do this. And you see, 
it would be unfair of God to ask us to do something that we can't do. Sometimes we feel like we can't do it. In fact, if you are here this morning and you're saying, Matt, I cannot forgive that person. Their wrong was too great and it's unforgivable. You know, I have to say that I think you're believing a lie. I'm going to come out and say it because I do. I think you're believing a lie. And there's a lying spirit there that's saying that you cannot do it. You might not feel like doing it, but it is in your possibility of doing it. Your emotions tell you you can't. And, and as soon as you say, I cannot forgive that wrong, I cannot forgive that infraction against my life, you are now shackling your soul to your emotions. And your emotions are now controlling what you will and won't do in the terms of forgiveness. I'm not brave enough this morning to talk about the wrongs that have done against me. But I know each and every one of us here have had some wrongs against us. Some strong ones. Some ones that are unforgivable. I've had unforgivable wrongs come against me. And I had to forgive, and it took me years to work through it. But I got to a place where I could forgive other people for the massive wrong they've done against me. And honestly, I had to get to a place where I could forgive myself. Because for some reason, I held myself accountable for even putting myself in that position. You've got to learn to let it go. You become a slave to your emotions. And you're waiting for your emotions to liberate you from something and it won't happen. You've got to take authority over your feelings. And it's hard. It ain't easy. But you've got to do it. You've got to take authority over your feelings and put your feelings into subjection and understanding that forgiveness is a decision. Forgiveness is a decision. You don't need mercy if you're not guilty. I'm not saying forgive somebody because they didn't do it. They did it. They're guilty. They wouldn't need forgiveness and they wouldn't need your mercy if they hadn't done it. I'm not saying that you forget about it. See, forgiveness and <clears throat> forgiveness, mercy, mercy and trust are two separate issues here. You still got to be able to set boundaries. You, you trust is something that may have been violated and takes a while to re, rebuild. But, but trust is what you do for your relationship together. Mercy, you end up doing this for you. Mercy, you end up doing this for you. You don't need mercy if you're not guilty. When you receive from God, you give it. When you receive mercy from God, you give it. And it starts a cycle of blessing. And you become a conduit. You become a conduit. It starts a flow. It starts a pattern. It starts a cycle. When you start to give mercy, it frees up the conduit for God to be able to pour more mercy into your life. And so God starts to pour mercy in, and so you start to give it. And you start to receive it, and you start to give it. And the more you give, the more you receive. See, God has so much mercy. It's crazy. He's got mercy for days, literally for days. And, and it says that in the Bible, he's got new mercy for you Every day, which means he doesn't use Tuesday's mercy on Wednesday. He doesn't use Wednesday's mercy on Thursday or Thursday's mercy on Friday, which means this, the mercy he gave to you on Tuesday for the junk that you did on Tuesday, he's not holding that over your head on Wednesday. That's gone. He has a whole new set of mercy for you on Wednesday. 
And so on Sunday morning when you're waking up heading to church, you'll be like, oh, God, I'm so sorry for what I did this weekend. Oh, my goodness, yesterday was crazy. But he poured that mercy out for you yesterday, and he's not holding it against you anymore. He's got new mercies for you every single day. He's got mercy for days. Mercy for days. I know I'm trying to sound cool. You like that? Mercy for days? So all the, all the, all the kids are saying that all now. And now I just made it awkward. So has God made... Somebody said I was too hipster today with the beard and the flannel. I have a hat, too, that kind of completes the ensemble. Again, I'm an indoor guy. So God has designed us to be recipients of his grace and his mercy and love. And when you let it flow through you, God commands a blessing. God commands a blessing. (laughs) Whatever I do for you, do it back to others. It's funny, even in the Lord's Prayer, it says this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us this day our daily bread, or give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do you really want God to forgive you like you forgive others? others? And I'm not talking like your friends. I'm not talking about the people that you like. Do you really want God to give you mercy and forgive you like you forgive those who you don't like? Those ones that have wronged you deeply. The ones that have violated what you consider to be your boundaries and rules. Do you really want God to forgive you like you forgave them? I don't. I want it better than that. Do you really want God to treat you like you treat others? Those ones that have done wrong to you, your ex-husband, your ex-wife. Do you, want, do you want God to treat you like you treat them? What about that boss that fired you? Did you wrong? Stole your bonus money. Fired you the day before it was coming due so that he could save the money. And you earned it, but you don't get it. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna forgive him or her. How you treat that person, is that how you want God to treat you? We get so angry at people sometimes. We hold things against us. And, and some of us, we have, we're angry at people that, that have been angry for years and decades. In fact, some of those people died. We're angry at dead people. Like, like how are they going to ever make that right for you? You, you? you can't. Like, they can't make it right for you, but yet we're still hanging on, right? We're still hanging on to the, to the anger. We're still hanging on to the past. See, unforgiveness change you to your history. As long as you are chained to your history, you are not able to possess your destiny. So here's what happens. As we start to become so entrapped by our past, so enslaved by our past, we have a handful of hurt and bitterness from our past. And that's holding us back as with the other hand we're reaching for our destiny. Some of us are so bitter, you find people all the time, nobody here of course, but they have two hands tied in the past and they can't even look to their future because they're so caught up in the past. And we get, but, but if you're like me, I, sometimes I get stuck with a hand in the past and I'm reaching a hand in the future. But God says, I got a deal for you. Your future is bigger than your past has ever been. And if you can let go of the past, you can have both hands free to reach for the future and the destiny. Your destiny is bigger than your history. Your destiny is bigger than your history. You need to let go of the chains. Let go and show the mercy. The mercy that you want to receive, you must show. 
Not because of what they did, but because of who you are. Because of who God is. Mercy gets choked when you're not merciful. <laughs> I was preparing for this message today and, and how we have these struggles in our family. And, and um, you just need to know that my notes here, I could probably preach a whole series. So maybe we should preach a series on forgiveness sometime. But, but, but so I'm going to, we got 10 minutes, but there's no Bronco game. So we're good, right? So Peter says, can you just forgive seven times? Do I have to just even forgive seven times? And, and Jesus is saying, no, you've got you to forgive that, more than that. If I'm going to use you, God is telling Peter, if I'm going to use you, you can't be petty with your past. If I'm going to use you, you can't be petty with the things that have happened to you in the past. If the, if the keyboardist would come, I'm actually going to wrap this up now. I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding about the long sermon. Freedom doesn't mean anything until you've been enslaved. You don't thank God for the groceries on your kitchen table until you go through a season where you don't have money for groceries. You don't thank God for the roof over your head until you go through a season when you don't think you're going to have a roof over your head or maybe you didn't have a roof over your head. You know what I mean? Like, like you don't thank God for, for the peace in your family until you've had no peace in your family. You don't thank God for the hopefulness he's given you until you've had, lived through the hopefulness, hopelessness that you went through. When you go without hope, you're thankful for the hope. When you're without peace, you're thankful for the peace. When, when you're without, you're thankful for. Every one of us here has battled being enslaved by the bitterness and unforgiveness of the pain of our past. If we're honest this morning, every one of us battles this. This morning, I'm encouraging you to let go. As you sit at a table, as you sit at a table, either this Thanksgiving or this holiday season with your family around you, even the ones that you don't get along with, even the ones that you know are wrong and you want to fight for justice, show mercy. It doesn't mean that you're admitting they're right. It just means that you're letting it go. You're getting it out of you. You're getting it off of you. You show them mercy, not because of what they've done, but because of what God's done for you. And you want to see the blessing of God in your life. You just let it, just let it go. Get it gone. Blow it out. Get it out of you. Here's the thing. (laughs) So Jesus... He's hanging on the cross, dying. He's hanging on the cross, dying. He's nailed up there. He's a a hot, bloody mess. I mean, it's it's just gross. His life is slipping. He can't hardly breathe the the blood and the, the, the crazy, torturous thing they just put him through. He only says seven things when he's up there, which makes me think that they're pretty important. I want you to see this this morning because he's up there bloody, beaten, bruised, in pain, and dying, and innocent. He's innocent. And he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them for they they don't know what they're doing. 
what the enemy meant for evil in Jesus' life turned out to be good. And what the enemy means for you in your life with the offenses and the, and the trials that come your way, the enemy is work, trying to work that for evil, but, but you can use that for good if you can show mercy, if you can let it go. You can show the power of God. God is a God of justice, and he will bring vengeance, he says. It's not our job. Can we, can we, it's our job to show mercy. tell you, some of you might not forgive until they get it right. You're going to hang on to this thing until they pay you, until they tell the truth about what really happened that day, until they agree with you on some things because you know that they're wrong. But if you hang on to that thing, you might hang on until you die. They may never acknowledge the wrong they've done to you. You might hold that until you die. And you have lived your life chained to your past and you will never reach the full destiny of who God has called you to be. You will constantly be torn between being bitter about the past and reaching for the future. You know, in, in, French, in French days, they had this thing where they would hook up horses to each of your limbs and they'd pull you in four different directions and that's how they would kill you, like a torturous death. They'd pull you apart in different directions and they called it death by distraction. The enemy will kill you by distracting you with your past. He will pull you one way this way, and God's pulling you one way this way. And you fight so hard to go this way, but you're being pulled back this way. It's a trick. It's a trick of the enemy. It's a trial. Can you pass this test? Can you let it go? The higher you go up in life, the more influence you have, the more you have to deal with this. As an employee, you have a squabble, you throw it to your manager. Your manager throws it to his regional guy, and the regional guy throws it up to the guy at the top somehow eventually, if it can't be resolved all the way up, right? The higher you go up in authority with God, it's the same thing that happens. New levels are going to bring new areas of conflict and new opportunities for offense. And if you're stuck being petty on the little things, he can't, God can't trust you with the big things. You've got to learn this principle of letting it go. And so Jesus, Jesus is on the cross. I got distracted. Jesus is on, on the cross. And he's hanging there. And he says, forgive them. Forgive them. It's not like those soldiers. Those soldiers, they, they beat him. They beat him to just the edge of death. They made him carry this timber all the way across town. They mocked him. They spit on him. They ridiculed him. They nailed him to this piece of wood and propped him up in the air for everybody to stare at, to laugh at, and to watch him die. Forgive them. It's not like those guys were standing at the bottom of the cross begging for mercy. They weren't like, oh gosh, what have we done? They eventually said that. But in that moment, they were gambling for his leftover belongings, mocking him, all the way to his grave. And he says, forgive them. He says, forgive them. What did Jesus know about forgiveness? He literally stopped dying to make sure he had it fixed. He literally, like, in the midst of dying, he made sure that he made room to say, I forgive them. What did Jesus know about forgiveness that, that maybe we've missed? Nobody didn't, nobody, these guys didn't even ask for it. 
person who wronged you in your life may not even be asking for it. Jesus was teaching us a principle. Jesus knew that he was coming back from the grave in three days. He knew it. He knew that what God had for him was bigger than what happened behind him and happening to him currently. Do you know that? What God has for you in the future is bigger than what's happened to you in the past. I'm appealing you to embrace your destiny. There's nothing in your history that is as big as what God wants in your destiny. Don't let the family fighting and the squabbles and the disagreements that we're going to all be faced with throughout this season coming up, don't let that get a root in your life. Don't, don't, don't grasp onto that thing. You got to let it go. Sometimes when we have this bitterness, we feel like we're punishing the other person, don't we? But really, you're only cheating yourself. I've heard it said that unforgiveness and bitterness is drinking poison and hoping the other person would die. You're the only person that it's affecting. We're going to close the service now. If you guys would stand with me, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I just... I thank you for what your son did on the cross. God, I thank you that you paid the price for us to be able to live in relationship with you. But God, I just am so grateful for how you modeled mercy and modeled forgiveness, even in the most dire of circumstances. Nobody's nailing me to a cross. Nobody's physically beating me. Nobody's laughing and spitting and mocking me publicly. And even if they do, God, you modeled it. You modeled it. God, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. So God, I just pray right now for relational problems within our congregation and even the extended families in the congregation. God, I, I just pray for problems with parents and kids to get resolved. Pray for, for spouses to, to get reconciled, ex-spouses to be able to get reconciled, stepkids and step-parents. God, siblings and relationships restored. God, I'm praying for your mercy, your new mercies every day to go flowing through us. God, for forgiveness is a decision. And so, God, I pray today that we would all decide to forgive. We would all decide to give mercy. They haven't earned it, but I'm going to give it. God, let us be a conduit to be your mercy flowing through to, to, the, to the lives around us. Just like you said, God, this is how we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day your daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Now, we have people who want to pray with you this morning. I know we prayed during worship, but if you need prayer for anything, healing of any type, we have prayer teams that are here because they want to pray. And they are going to be on either side of the stage in these orange wings. The keyboard's going to play for a little bit. We'll have some music coming into speakers in a second. But you guys are dismissed. Have a wonderful week and show mercy.
Be the conduit that God wants you to be to show mercy to those around you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.